Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. Hopefully you are having a very festive and fun holiday season. I know my family and I are as we're doing all the normal stuff, right? The Christmas music and putting up the tree and just doing lots of fun stuff together. This past week, it was reported that the inflation rate in the U.S. has risen to 6.8%, the highest number that we've seen in 39 years. And some of you, which is not me, some of you are old enough to remember that the late 70s and early 80s had very high inflation. Mortgage rates, CD rates, all the interest rates are very, very high, way up into the teens. And I'm sure for those of you who had a mortgage or had a bunch of money and you put it into CDs back then, you were probably looking at really, really high interest rates because things were pretty ugly economically. And we've been spoiled for quite some time. But now high inflation is back. Before we get into that, tell you a little bit about Keystone Financial Services. We are a wealth management firm. In fact, one of the largest wealth management firms in Northern Colorado. Our mission is to bridge the gap between knowing and doing in the financial lives of our clients. And what that means to us is that we're really here to provide unbiased advice and guidance. And even though we're one of the top wealth management firms in the area, we pride ourselves in focusing exclusively on your needs, your family's needs, and taking a look at your individual situation. And really, our goal overall is to replace uncertainty with confidence when it comes to your financial planning. So I highly recommend that you give us a call. Don't try to do this yourself. It oftentimes doesn't work out so well when people try to be their own financial advisor, even though it's tempting and there's lots of messages out there telling people that they should be doing that. The reality is, is that the vast majority of wealthy people in the United States have a great financial advisor. And that is what they look at and say is a huge part of their financial success. So take the guesswork out of your financial future and contact us today. There are a few reasons that inflation has gotten bad. Inflation in very simple terms is caused by too many dollars chasing too few goods. The reality is, is that some inflation is good, actually. You don't want deflation. That's the opposite of inflation. Deflation means that you're actually finding that prices are dropping in general. In other words, the economy is going backwards, and you definitely don't want that. But high inflation is bad because it erodes people's spending power. We are expecting that we're going to be paying more for stuff over time, and that is true. But if it's going to be a lot more, then unless the economy is growing faster than inflation and people are getting raises in income that surpass that inflation rate, that means that everybody's standard of living is actually going backwards. That's what we're experiencing right now. So before we get into strategy, let's talk about inflation and really what's going on right now. Trillions of dollars have been injected into the U.S. economy through monetary policy, which is controlled by the Federal Reserve, and through additional government spending, which is controlled by Congress. So that's the 
too many dollars. There's lots of dollars flying around out there right now. And then there have also been too few goods in the sense that we've had supply chain interruptions due to shutdowns during COVID. There's just not enough product flying around out there for people to buy what they want to buy. And I'm sure you have examples of that going to the grocery store and the shelves aren't full like they used to be. Or maybe you're trying to buy a vehicle or maybe you're trying to build a house and you can't get the materials, the supplies. In fact, my wife and I were actually working on a kitchen remodel for this next summer. And we just went to get appliances, went and picked them out. And they have a six month lead time right now. Uh, We'll be lucky if those appliances show up on time, which again is six months out as of right now. The other thing that we're experiencing right now is that employers can't get enough workers. There are 10 million open jobs in the US and there's only 5 million people looking for those jobs. And of course, there's always some of that, right? When you've got 330 million people and a bunch of those people are of working age, 330 million people, there's always going to be people in job transition, certain industries, companies that are downsizing, uh, people might be relocating. There's all kinds of reasons why people are always kind of in flux looking for jobs. But what that means, though, is that we don't have enough workers to fill all the jobs that are out there. And when I talk to business leaders, which is often, they tell me that one of their biggest challenges right now is they just can't fill positions. They can't get good people and they can't even get people in a lot of cases to be able to fill those positions. And if you think of just one area, as far as the supply chain, look at truck drivers and dock workers. There's a huge, huge undersupply right now of workers. And that's been the case for a while. That's not just a COVID thing. It's gotten much, much worse and product is just not moving like it used to. A lot of it's been stuck. Of course, we know about the container ships that are stuck off the coast of Long Beach right now. That's still a big problem. Uh, Probably will be for a while just because they can't get enough workers to come in there and get the product off of the ships. So you look at all of this and it really all has kind of come together, this perfect storm that's created an inflation problem. You can't just point to one thing. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to that one thing is there's too many dollars chasing too few goods. The reality is it might last for a while. This is probably not going away overnight. If you listen to different economists, they have different opinions, of course. But overall, the experts that we're paying attention to are telling us that this is not transitory. The Federal Reserve was using that term before. I think last summer they were saying that inflation's up, but it's transitory. In other words, it's temporary. It's not going to be here very long. The reality is they're dropping that term right now because they've realized that that's not the case. Inflation is going to be here for a while and we're already seeing that there's going to be some tightening that's going to be happening. That means the Federal Reserve changing monetary policy. They've been buying tens of billions of dollars of bonds over the last couple of years to try to inject additional capital into the economy, keep the money supply very, very loose. That's probably helped some. I think there's some different opinions on that, of course. Uh, They call it quantitative easing. That means that they're buying bonds, actually creates more cash, keeps interest rates lower than they normally would be. They are starting to back off of that policy now. And they were going to go through next summer. Now they're probably just going through the spring, if not sooner, as far as winding down that program. And then also gearing up for increases in interest rates, which we are still at zero right now, but probably going to be increasing interest rates here in 2022. They might be increasing interest rates dramatically. And that's what happened in the late 70s and early 80s is the Federal Reserve stepped in and they really jacked up interest rates to kill inflation. It ended up working But it did have a recession that got thrown into the mix there because the Federal Reserve tightening does affect the economy. It kills inflation, but it also can kill the economy temporarily. So be prepared. 
as we go forward. So on to our question today, which as certified financial planners here at Keystone, we're all hearing the same things from a lot of clients right now, because not only is it in the headlines, if people are paying attention to the news, it's being talked about a lot, but also when you go buy gas, when you go buy groceries, you go buy pretty much anything right now, you're seeing higher and higher prices. And I think gas and food are the ones that are the most in our face, right? Because we're boy, buying those things the most often. And of course, gas, you just drive around town, you see it advertised all the time. So we see those numbers continuing to go up. So the question for today is, should I change my investments or my investment strategy to fight inflation? Well, maybe, but maybe not. We need to back up first before we really get into that and answer that question, which we're not going to answer that today, by the way. <laughs> Ultimately, that's going to come up to you, but it really is about trying to figure out the answer to that question for yourself. We're never here to tell you what you have to do or what you should do necessarily. Our job is really just to guide you. We'll give you our opinion. We spend a lot of time at this. I've been doing this for 22 years right now, which means that I've not only had to go through an awful lot of different economies and markets and so forth, but just the human side of things, working with people and having thousands and thousands and thousands of interactions with people in group settings and individual settings, I can tell you kind of what works and what doesn't, and really with some of the pitfalls that people fall into. When it comes to trying to figure out what to do based off of this situation, we should back up a little bit. Let's think about where your portfolio was designed to begin with. I can tell you from my experience that the average American, their investment strategy is kind of called luck. It's just kind of winging it. The reality is it wasn't well thought out. They probably have no idea how much risk that they're taking in their portfolio. Of course, there are exceptions to this. There are people that whether they're doing it on their own or they're working with a financial planner, sometimes they thought it out really, really well. They did a lot of research, a lot of homework. They really had a well thought out plan. There are exceptions to this, but I can tell you the average person that I sit down with for the first time, they don't really have any idea. And that's fine. If that's where you are right now, that's perfectly fine. In fact, I think it's good that you're acknowledging that the fact that, hey, I don't really have a plan right now. And oftentimes when people come in and meet with us, they have never worked with a financial planner or advisor before, which is fine. They probably had really good financial habits, meaning that they put a lot of money away over time. They paid off all their debts. They got themselves into a really good financial situation just because they didn't spend all their money like the average American does. But they may not have a well thought out financial plan and they've gotten to the point where they realize, you know what, I need to do some comprehensive planning here. I need somebody actually to guide me through this process because it's not something that I understand. It's not something I have the time to understand and I probably don't even want to. That's the reality is most of our clients, this is not something that they want to make their hobby and spend their whole retirement, spend all their extra time doing. So that's the reason why people come to us and work with us. Backing up and thinking about how you arrived at your current portfolio is probably good. And if you say, well, I don't know, I don't really have any idea. Maybe my employer chose the options for me. Maybe there were default options inside my 401k. Maybe it was because somebody else that I know, a friend or a family member or somebody told me what to do with my money. But if you're one of those people, if you're in that camp where you're just not sure, maybe you didn't think through the whole process well. I mean, all of our clients do this when we onboard people and bring people on as new clients. One of the very first things that we do is we have them use a tool that we've created on our website. And our website is just keystonefinancial.com. But about halfway down the page, there is a button in a red box that says, find out your 
number. And that is where you can go in and very quickly, probably not even more than five minutes, very, very quick. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer to determine your unique risk number. And it's scientifically created to balance out different things. And those things are risk and return and kind of looking at what kind of return on average that you want to get out of your portfolio. Of course, you might be guessing, you might not be sure, but that's okay. It's a starting point. And then the second thing is how much risk that you want to take and what it's measuring risk as is how much money you're willing to lose in any given period of time. And it's not because we're going to take all your money and put it in a roulette wheel or something like that. And that would be crazy. That would be the equivalent of putting all your money in one thing, putting all your eggs in one basket, like putting all your wealth into Bitcoin or all your wealth into one stock. Oftentimes with business owners, for example, or for somebody who owns real estate, they may have all of their money in one property. Even if it's one apartment building, all of their wealth might be in one thing. That's why it's kind of hard to be a real estate investor by buying single properties most people don't have the money to go out and buy enough properties to really properly diversify themselves. And there's other ways you can do that. We've got you know financial strategies that actually can invest in real estate. So we can talk about that with you as far as how to still invest in real estate without having to be the landlord. But ultimately, by taking that risk analysis, what it's going to do is it's going to spit out your number. You're going to have a number that really measures the amount of risk that you're willing to take for your portfolio. Of course, sometimes it spits out the number and you say, that's not me. There's no way. And it'll let you change it, actually. It'll let you go back in and make some adjustments to it. So it's not set in stone. I highly recommend that you do this. Or even if you're a client of ours and you've done it in the past, go back and do it again. You can do it as many times as you want just to really educate yourself and feel good about where you are. The ultimate goal is that we're trying to create a money machine that can spit out enough income that is really, really likely never to run out when you are ready to be done working. When it comes to strategy, we're really going back and looking at these two factors, risk and return, and trying to figure out where people are. So again, the risk we're talking about is diversified risk. What I mean by that is that whatever you're investing in, you're going to be very diversified regardless of what your risk number is. You should be anyway. It's really important that you're very diversified. You don't have all your eggs in one basket. So hypothetically, let's say that somebody takes that risk analysis and it comes back and it says that they are a 99. Well, I I can tell you the only way to get to 99 is if if you're willing to put all your eggs in one basket. If you put it all in Bitcoin or one single stock, for example, that's probably going to push you up to that number. And I will tell you that that's kind of reckless eventually something bad's going to happen. You know, sooner or later, it's going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, you're lucky. And of course, when we come to people that have all their money in one thing, if they're listening to us, they're going to diversify out that risk and put it into a much more thought out portfolio. But let's say your number comes out to a 75 or 80. It would mean that you probably would have almost all of your money in growth type investments like stocks, real estate, things like that. And it would really be pretty inflation protected. So for people that are already at that level and wondering, should I take on more risk at this point? We don't like to drive faster than 80 miles an hour. Once we get past 80 miles an hour, really risk goes up dramatically and it goes up to the point where it's not really worth it. That's the trade-off really in our analysis and experiences that it's just not really worth it once you get to that level to take on additional risk. So I think the people that I'm probably talking to today, and it might be your friends, your family, other people that you know, it might not even be you, right? You might already be invested the way you're comfortable. But let's say that you took that risk analysis and it came out 
relatively low. Let's say it came out at a one, for example. Well, I can tell you the only way to get to a one is going to be putting it in the bank. It's going to be in CDs, savings accounts, things like that, that are 100% guarantee. They have no risk whatsoever. And right now you're also going to get no return whatsoever. It's going to be extremely low and very, very hard to outpace inflation as we're seeing today. Going back for a second, if you think about that 6.8% number, if that's the right number, thinking about 6.8%, if your money is all sitting in cash right now in the bank and it's earning zero or close to zero, that actually means that you're going backwards 6.8% per year. You're losing 6.8% per year because of inflation. So be thinking of it from that perspective. And that's one reason too, we've talked about in this space before, not keeping too much money in cash. That's why, because cash is not a very good inflation protected investment. It's a good place for your safe money. And we always recommend people have a good nest egg level cash reserve, which will be three to six months worth of living expenses. That's the number we normally will recommend. It does depend on the situation. Maybe we go up to 12 months worth of living expenses. And of course, we would add to that any known expenses. If you have a car you're buying in a couple of months or a major home improvement, or you've got uh, something else kind of crazy going on, maybe it means you need to have more cash than that three to six months. But that's a pretty good rule of thumb. That would cover most people's short-term emergencies that would come up. So we're not talking about those emergency funds. We're talking about the longer term money that you really are counting on using probably over years, if not decades throughout your retirement. So if you come out to that risk number and it's low, let's say it's at a one, then we need to do some math. We really need to change your approach probably uh, to be able to reach your goals. But if you've got enough cash, there are situations where people just have so much money that they've accumulated that maybe it doesn't matter that they're losing 6.8% per year. They're still going to be okay. They're not going to run out of money. So it is very important that we look at that person's individual situation and look at really what they want. What is it that they want to be able to spend in retirement? When do they want to retire? What other income sources do they have? It's possible that maybe being at a one is appropriate for them. Maybe that's where they should be is just sitting in the bank. Well, oftentimes when people take this risk analysis, we'll see a low score might come out to a 25, 30, 35, 40, somewhere in there. And those are the people I think that are primarily asking us the question right now of, is my risk number too low based on the inflation numbers we're seeing? I'm just really concerned. Are we not being aggressive enough to be able to outpace inflation? And that might be the case. We need to run the numbers. Again, look at your individual situation. But then it comes back to that question we asked at the beginning should I change my investments to fight inflation? Well, possibly. I think we need to take that risk analysis again. Let's look at something objective, in other words, not just emotional, because oftentimes that is how people make their investment decisions is based on motion, and that is not a good way to invest simply because what they're normally doing is that they're investing and taking on more risk when it feels good and they're bailing out and selling stuff when things don't feel so good. What that means is that there are a lot of people that end up selling after the markets drop 20, 30, 40, 50%. People want to bail out at that point because they're so scared that they're worried about losing all of their money. Of course, oftentimes, especially when the markets dropped 50 plus percent in the past, that was oftentimes close to the bottom. And people that made that decision, I think we're very unhappy with that in the long run. But the other thing that people tend to do is that people tend to take on more risk when things are good. And I think you could debate that right now. I think we still are in economic winter in a lot of ways, and I don't think we're going to get out of it anytime soon. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. We really need to take a look at what you're comfortable with. And if taking on more investment risk is going to mean that 
that you end up bailing out when things get bad. In other words, once those investments have dropped 20, 30, 40, 50%, that's not a good investment strategy. And that is why we have you take that risk analysis to begin with is not necessarily because we're trying to get the highest returns possible. And of course, we want to get good returns for people, but we need to figure out how much risk you're actually comfortable with when things get terrible and uncertain in the world. That's when people tend to, we call it capitulate. You know, they tend to capitulate and just say, all right, enough's enough. I just can't take any more. And that's what we're trying to avoid and why everybody isn't invested at 75, 80 miles an hour on that risk number is that the reality is, is people have different emotions. People have different motivations. People have different feelings about their money and about their life and their situation, the economy and politics, all these different things. Everybody has a different outlook on that. We need to figure out what motivates people and what people are comfortable with on the downside and what they're going to do, in other words, when things get uncertain. So it's very, very important to know how much risk you're taking in your current investments and making sure that you know what to expect as far as what we're Turn potential that you have. We spend a lot of time with people on this. As you can imagine, that's why we're talking about it today because it's so important and we're hearing so much of this from people that we're speaking with, especially new people. And we've had a lot of new clients that have joined us recently. So thank you. Uh, it's almost all from referrals. So thank you all that have uh, told your friends and family about us. It's really an honor to, you know, receiving those introductions and working with people. The reason why we're doing this is because there's just a lot of people that need help. I got into this industry originally because I thought money was interesting. It was fun. But from being a little kid, I even remember back then, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to help people. And it just came to be over a lot of different circumstances. That's really my way to be able to serve and contribute and help people is to serve as a certified financial planner, as your financial guide. And it's really an honor to be able to do this. So going back one more time, what if you find out that your risk number is low, too low, however you would term that? In other words, if you kind of look at your stuff and say, you know what, I'm concerned about inflation. I'm concerned about that I'm not going to be able to earn enough or I'm not earning enough to outpace inflation. There's two ways to approach this. And again, using that find out your number link is the best way to do this. Just going to keystonefinancial.com, click on find out your number about halfway down the page. So do the analysis, see what comes out of it. And if you still think that you should be higher, and should is a dangerous word sometimes, by the way, because that should oftentimes comes from other people trying to influence you, uh, friends, family, coworkers, other people. Well, they have their own risk number. They have their own situation. Don't let them influence what you're doing because your situation is unique. If that risk number is not something that you're happy with, you might choose to go higher, just understand the trade-offs and the tool will actually show you that. There's a, a sliding scale there that will show you what happens when you take on additional investment risk as far as return, but also downside, what happens when things go down. So you can get an expectation if you're willing to live with that. And my bias, of course, on all of this is, of course, I want people to make as much money as they can in their investments. That's a good thing. But within reason, within the level of risk that you're comfortable with. So we want you to get the most bang for your buck. You know, let's really try to optimize your situation and make sure that we've really thought through it with regard to your portfolio. Use the technology, use the tool, and then we'll talk to you. We actually get a copy of those results and we'll talk with you through it to make sure that whatever moves that you're making, it's a sound one for you and it really makes sense in the long run, not just because of what's going on right now. Again, ultimately, we're here to guide you, not make your decisions for you. We will give you our opinion and we will manage your investments in a way that manages toward that risk number, try to get you the highest return that we can based on that risk number. But ultimately, 
We're your guide. We're not here to make your decisions for you. You are always in control and always should be in control. You never want to have somebody else just take control of all your financial decisions. I think that's a recipe for disaster because you're not involved in that situation. It's very, very important that you're engaged, at least on a high level, for your financial planning. We talk about this stuff because really you got to be prepared for your own future, but also remember that we are still in economic and societal winter. And as often is the case in winter, things seem worse than they are. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of uncertainty. There is a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world. And I would say there always is. But during those really high uncertainty times and during economic winter, there's also lots of opportunity for those that seek it out and are willing to take on the risk. That means a higher risk number potentially for you. And that might be where you are right now, which is great. Maybe you see the potential of taking on additional risk. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm fine where I am. Maybe I'm actually taking more risk than I'm comfortable with. We just need to figure that out so we make the adjustments that we need to. So I'm not telling you what to do, but remember that the night is always followed by the breaking of the day. And what always follows winter is spring. And I will leave you with that. Don't try to do this alone. Again, get help with a quality financial planner, which means a fiduciary level, independent, certified financial planner. And we've got a couple of them here. We're hiring more over time, but certified financial planners are the highest standard, the gold standard in the financial industry. So work with somebody who is the best. If you like what you're hearing on the Wiser Financial Advisor, help us out by clicking subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Help us out that way. Also sharing this with friends, coworkers, family. I think you know and I know, we all know that there are a lot of people out there that are financially hurting and really need some guidance. And that might not mean that we actually work with them as a planner right now. Even just passing on our podcast to them might help them make better choices and help guide them to where they need to be. Share that with them. We are here to serve and help you make better decisions about your money. Have a wonderful week. I hope you are enjoying, again, your family, your friends, all the stuff going on during this time of year. Merry Christmas and God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.